You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. So what is the Kingdom of Heaven? Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org. It is popular to believe that God's faithful people will find a place of reward in heaven. By comparing scripture with scripture, one concludes that the terms kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God and kingdom of Israel refer to God's coming kingdom upon the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ, as the descendant of King David, is promised to rule on the re-established throne, a place in this kingdom of heaven on earth is the hope and the reward of the faithful of all ages. What is the kingdom of heaven? But it covers um, quite a detailed um, study of scriptural concept, which will go on hopefully for many years in your your, uh, Bible study. It's not something that we're going to complete this evening, but it's something that we can potentially start this evening together to try and investigate uh, what the Bible means uh, when it uses the term kingdom of heaven. So call to any um, Christian teaching, um, many denominations, they will all have an element of hope as a core part of their teaching. Each denomination um, may have a slightly different view on what that hope is. What we're not going to do this evening is to do a battle of the denominations and work out uh, what is um, right from the teachings of each different uh, branch of Christianity. What we're going to do is a Bible study. We're going to open scripture and we're going to compare scripture with scripture to try and understand the concepts that it contains related to hope and what uh, the hope of those in the New Testament and those in the Old Testament were um, for, for life. So let's start then. We've been kicked off with a reading from Matthew and um, we find that the whole um, uh, the, the phrase kingdom of heaven is one that is um, centered in the gospel record of Matthew. Now there is a a slightly linked reference in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 where it says preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom but this phrase the kingdom of heaven is something that we find in the book of Matthew and it's a key phrase and like when you see something like that don't ignore it this is telling us something this is um, leading our study um, this is something you should um, should, should um, look at in more detail. A study of Matthew and the themes in Matthew is a beautiful study in itself. This is one, one of those um, that, that will um, guide you through, through the, um, the gospel record of Matthew, looking at references to the kingdom of heaven. So I think it's 32 verses and 33 occurrences. Um, let, we're going to, um, at the beginning, we're going to look at a few of these and try and build up a picture of aspects of the kingdom of heaven from the verses that we find in Matthew. So if you're making notes um, and we come across these different um, occurrences of the kingdom of heaven, jot down what aspect of the kingdom of heaven it is that we're talking about. And uh, if you 
Um, want to add anything to the at the end, please shout out. I'm not sure whether anybody's brave enough to come and do that, but uh, we will maybe, if I miss anything or I don't mention something that you notice, you can, you can shout it out. So let's start um, in Matthew chapter 3. So in Matthew chapter 3, um, this, we have not even got to the words or the, uh, the narrative of Jesus' work here. We're actually before that in the work of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was um, put in place to prepare the path for Jesus' teaching, for the gospel uh, message, for the word of God to be delivered through Jesus. And uh, John the Baptist uh, came preaching. So if we start um, reading Matthew chapter 3, and I'm reading from the uh, New King James here, and the quotes on the screen will be from the New King James. Um, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then it goes on to explain his role, um, how it was spoken in Isaiah the prophet, um, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's talking about the job of John the Baptist. But what was John the Baptist preaching? He was preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's close by. And this is the introduction that we get to this concept of the kingdom of heaven uh, within, within Matthew. And we'll have a look at some of the aspects now. So we turn the page, in my Bible, you turn the page, and you get to um, chapter 5, which is where we, um, we read, we had our reading from. And this is a beautiful passage. This is when Jesus goes up, um, and he's, this is the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And there's, I think there's three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. All of this um, amazing um, density of teaching that Jesus provides to, to those that would follow him. Um, and he starts with, this is now the beginning of this ministry, as recorded by Matthew, of Jesus. And what does he say? The first, the first phrase, if you've got a red letter Bible, the first phrase that it comes in this chapter is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So just like the beginnings of of, um, of John's preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' sermon on the mount starts, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Got to be a really important concept in the preaching of Jesus, in the, in the teaching of both John and, um, and um, of Jesus. This concept of the kingdom of heaven. What else do we read in this little section that uh, Robin read as an introduction? These are, this is a section called the Beatitudes. It's to do with blessings, blessings for people who are showing these different characteristics. Um, so we have a look at uh, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so you get, you start to build up the characteristic um, parts of, of, of the kingdom of heaven. And here we've got the types of people who are going to enjoy the kingdom of heaven. So the poor in spirit, those who are, have humility, 
um, and those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, those that are persecuted because they're following um, the words and the things of God. Let's carry on um, through our journey through, through Matthew. Um, and let's have a look at Matthew chapter 7 this time. Okay, I'm not, this isn't uh, going through every single occurrence, but we're picking a few out. Um, so Matthew 7 verse um, 21. Um, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So what do we learn here? Well, not everybody who says, I'm destined for the kingdom of heaven and calls on the name of Jesus is going to get um, into the kingdom of heaven. That's what that's saying. Uh, there will be many who profess these things. Lord, Lord, we, prof we prophesied in your name. But he turns around to them and says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. So not everybody who professes um, to be a follower will be allowed in. That's the kind of summary um, of that, maybe. Uh, Matthew chapter 8. Let's move on to the next chapter. Matthew chapter 8. Now this is a Again, a beautiful um, narrative of an interaction with a centurion, so a Roman, a centurion who um, he um, entered Capernaum, so where Jesus was um, a teaching, and the centurion came and pleaded with him in this chapter because his servant was lying at home paralyzed and in terrible torment. So he was um, suffering greatly, his servant. And imagine that, a centurion had gone out proactively on behalf of his servant. So it must have been a really dearly beloved servant um, of, this, of this centurion. Um, and the centurion goes um, and, and asks Jesus um, to, to heal him. Jesus um, and he asks him, pleading with him, um, and the Lord, my servant, is lying at home, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion turns around and says, I'm not worthy. Um, you shouldn't, uh, um, that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. So the centurion knew the power of the word of God and the word of God that was delivered through Jesus. And the centurion turns around and he says, I recognize a person who's under authority. I'm a person who's got people under me as well and I can tell them to go and do something and it will happen. And he's looking at Jesus saying, this is a man who's been sent with a message with a word, the word of God. And Jesus is impressed by the faith of this centurion. And he turns around um, in verse 10 of, um, of this, and he says, Jesus heard it, and he marveled and said to those, um, those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found um, such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what on earth is that all about? So what that's describing is people 
from every single nation associating themselves with Israel, with the Jews. And that's um, summarized by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are the fathers of Israel. These are na this is a nations, uh, east and west, who are coming to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, why is he saying this to the centurion? Well, the centurion was not a Jew. The centurion would have been of Roman descent. And so he's looking at him and going, what a faithful character. And then looking at the Jews and saying, this is how you should behave. You should demonstrate the same faith as this, um, this Gentile, that was the term that was used for those that weren't Jews. And so the summary from that verse is that this is not just a Jewish hope. The hope of the kingdom of heaven, even in these early chapters of, of Matthew, is something that is open for um, those of all nations, those that um, follow the will of my father, as it said in that previous uh, verse, in, verse um, in, in Matthew 7. So it's not just a Jewish hope. The hope of the kingdom um, it is open to many nations from the east and west, and they'll come and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, the sons of the kingdom, that phrase in verse 12, the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. That phrase, sons of the kingdom, is synonymous with Israel. And so it's a phrase that is, is, uh, would have been recognized by those he was speaking to uh, as Israel. But the Israelites, the Jews, those who were sons of the kingdom, um, they had easy access, as it were, to this, to, to understanding the knowledge of, of God, the word of God, uh, sons of the kingdom. Okay, so we've got a couple more, and then we'll have a look at a case study. Now we all like a good case study. So let's have a look at uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and uh, verse 7, another occurrence. Um, so the 12, he sent, um, he sent the, um, the 12 out teaching. This is um, almost like a practice run for them going out and being apostles, and they were being uh, sent out. Go not into, this is verse 5 of chapter 10, by the way. Uh, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Um, do not enter into the city of the Samaritans, but rather go into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So this is go and preach the gospel message to the, uh, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach um, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. So it's very similar, isn't it, to that preaching of John, right the way back in the early chapters of John and also of, of Jesus. Now, the disciples are being sent out. So John did it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was saying these are the types of people who would be in the kingdom of heaven. And here, the disciples are being sent out to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So it's close by. It's something which is, is coming apace. It's something that will be here soon. And uh, finally, in this little um, study of, the, of these phrases in Matthew, let's have a look at Matthew 13. Um, and verses 47. Okay. So again, um, we're getting towards the uh, middle, middle and end of Matthew, and you start to see lots of uh, parables of, um, of Jesus. And the parables often start, this is a parable of the kingdom of heaven. 
And so there are little descriptions of aspects of the kingdom of heaven. And it's a, it's a, um, a repeated phrase that comes at the beginning of the parables um, in, in, in Matthew. Um, so let's have a look at verse 40, 41. The Son of Man shall send out his angels and gather out of the kingdom uh, uh, all, all that offend and practice lawlessness, etc. Uh, verse um, 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid um, for joy over, over it that goes and sells all uh, that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And so in these parables, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven uh, being something um, related to a, um, a reward, something valuable that you need to go and um, uh, obtain and get access to, sell everything. It's imperative that you, you get this treasure. And then verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw away the bad. And so it shall be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and separate the wicked from the just. That's an incredible little um, parable, which demonstrates, doesn't it, the, there's a process, a judgment um, that will happen between, so the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet, which is taking lots of people of every kind. And then the, the contents of that dragnet will be inspected. Now, the disciples would have known all about this analogy because they were told to become fishers of men, weren't they? So they knew about this idea of going and preaching and gathering people together around this message. And here they said, OK, the dragnet will come in and there'll be things in this net which will be thrown away that are bad and the good will be kept. And so this idea of the kingdom of heaven um, having this idea of, of, of a reward, this great treasure that we saw in, that, in verses 44, 45, and this judgment, this separation um, of the things which are in the net, rejection for the unfaithful, and a reward for the, the righteous. So, um, from what we've looked at there, and there's others as well that we could look at, We've found that the kingdom of heaven is linked to a reward for the future. It's linked to um, some kind of judgment. It's linked, and we've seen um, passages in, in Matthew 5, which is linked to people of a certain characteristics, poor in spirit, etc. The meek shall inherit the earth. And we have orthodox ideas, don't we, about what the kingdom of heaven might be and what the reward might be. So is the kingdom of heaven being in the church? Is the kingdom of heaven um, going to heaven as a reward when we die? Well, rather than just attach our minds to one of those ideas, let's use a case study to try and understand uh, what this kingdom of heaven um, actually is. And the case study that we're going to look at is the case study of King David. Okay. What we need to try and do is identify somebody who's faithful in scripture and see what they thought their hope was for the future. Um, what was their hope for the future? And that gives us an indication then what this kingdom of heaven that was a core aspect of the teaching of Jesus. So let's see whether or not he was faithful, first of all. Let's establish that point. Okay. Now, many of you are um, 
Bible students of many years, my senior, some of you. Um, and you'll know about the character of David, and you'll know um, the, the, uh, the records in Samuel and the Kings about, about, um, about David. But there's a really nice summary of, of David's life in Acts chapter 13 and verse, um, well, let's start at um, verse 21. So it's, it's talking about um, some of the history of, of the kings of Israel. And afterward, um, uh, they asked for a king. And so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Now, Saul, the son of Kish, wasn't um, faithful and he was replaced. Who was he replaced by? So Saul, the son of Kish, didn't obey the prophet that was sent to guide him, prophet Samuel. Verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, who will do all my will. And from this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a saviour, Jesus. Okay, you could not get a better testimony of somebody's faith than those couple of verses. So you have um, God saying, I've, I see David, a man after mine own heart, basically somebody who follows the will of God and uses that as their, the tenor for their life. Um, a man after it, mine own heart, who will do all my will. And then he links David um, with Jesus. For this man's seed, David's seed, according to the promise that he gave to David, God raised up for Israel a saviour, Jesus. So this is somebody who is really faithful. So we can tick that box, can't we? We can say, is David faithful? Yes, he is. Right, now we need to understand uh, what did David um, um, have in his mind? And again, he was following God. He knew the words of God. What did he expect as a reward? What did he look forward to? What's his reward in heaven? So let's go to have a look at the beginning of Acts now. And at the beginning of Acts, we see some very simple, straightforward scripture, which um, can give us the answer. So first of all, we have this um, section uh, in verse 29, which is talking about um, uh, David and explaining that he's died in, in the past. Okay, and his tomb is with us today, verse 29. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing what God hath sworn, verse 30, with an oath to him, um, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Again, reiterating the link between David and Jesus. Uh, verse 31. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, and his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus Christ, um, this Jesus God um, has uh, raised up, um, of which ye are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So this, this explanation that Jesus has been resurrected. Jesus has, was not left in the ground, he was resurrected. And now he's at the right hand of God. Um, verse 34, for God, sorry, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies 
your footstool. You could not get a clearer explanation of what happened to David and whether he went to heaven or not. David did not ascend into the heavens. So what, what happened? What was, he, what was his hope? What was the hope that, um, uh, that, that he had? So from that, we see that David did not go to heaven. Act 2 is very straightforward. Um, if we go and have a look in um, Psalm 71, we can see a little bit more about the hope that David um, um, actually held. So in Psalm 71... Um, So this is, a, this is a beautiful psalm, as many of the psalms are, but um, the, the, the thing that we want to focus in on is the way in which David put his trust in God all the way through his life. Okay, So the very first verse here, In you, O Lord, I put my trust, and, and let me never be put to shame. Right from birth. Right from birth. Um, so if you say in, in verse 6, By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. And so we can see a, a really beautiful link between these Psalms and pointing forward to the Messiah, to, to, to Jesus. Um, and then in verse 17, we see um, that he was taught from my youth. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. But then people get a bit older. Okay. Now also, when I am old and grey-headed, verse 18, O oh, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation. Your power be every, uh, to everyone who is come. So this is all the way through his life, relying on Christ. Uh, sorry, relying on God. Verse 19, also your righteousness, O oh God, is very high. You who have done Great things, O God, who is like you? You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. And so we have in this psalm a beautiful overlay of David and Jesus. And we have the... Um, uh, the, the hope of David, which we saw from Acts chapter 2, he was not, uh, he didn't go up to heaven um, in, in order to gain his reward for being um, tremendously faithful, a man after God's own heart. But he had this hope for the future of being, being revived. Now this brings us back to some of the, um, the things that we've already seen in Matthew chapter um, um, 5. We're starting to pull these, these threads together about the kingdom of heaven because we saw blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the, the kingdom of heaven but then there was that phrase about blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth something about the earth related to the hope of a Christian um, then we have your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right where does that phrase come from any of the young ones where does that phrase come from? What's that part of? Isaac? Is it Matthew 6? It most certainly is Matthew 6, verse 10. It's part of, a, of, a, of something that Jesus gives to the disciples to help them do something. 
Now you probably say it in your, oh hello, Asa. It most certainly is. It's the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, a fundamental part of the, of the petitions that you give to God is asking for um, these will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the will uh, being done on earth. There's something about the earth related to the future of, of a Christian's hope. And um, now let's just take a bit of a tangential look at, um, at um, a different method that you can use for Bible study, which is looking at parallel records. So who in the crowd knows how many gospel records there are? How many gospel records are there? Four. Four. And what are they? Excellent. Good. We're still, still listening, which is, which is excellent. So let's have a look at Mark and Matthew side by side to see what um, the two, uh, the two um, uh, um, say about a very similar uh, passage. Okay, so the first one is, um, yeah, so this one here. Um, so Mark chapter um, 1 verse 15 says, again, this is New King James, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. Where do we see similar um, phrase to that? Well, we've seen it already a couple of times, actually. We saw it in the instruction when they, he sent the disciples out to, to preach um, and said, this is what you should be preaching. This is how you should start your sermons. Um, but here we saw the very first occurrence that we looked at when we did our little study of Matthew, Kingdom of Heaven passages. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we see that the kingdom of heaven is synonymous with the kingdom of God. So what's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? Good question. Well, let's have a look um, in the Old Testament at what the kingdom of God is. And... Well, if I just asked you about kingdoms, um, major kingdoms that were in the Old Testament, you might, you know, say Babylon and Assyria and all of these. But also you might say the kingdom of Israel, like David sat on a throne, Saul sat on a throne uh, on a, in a kingdom. And look, there's a really um, interesting passage here in 2 Chronicles, which links the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the Lord and King David. So in Chronicles, it says, um, and now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David. In the hand of the sons of David. So you've got this kingdom of God, kingdom of the Lord, and this kingdom is in the hands of a king which has been uh, placed on that throne. In this case, it's um, the sons of David. Now, what happened? You know, so we're going to do a, like a massively accelerated um, history of the kingdom of Israel. Um, lots of kings. I'm sure if we, I think, is it Rebecca who like, knows all the kings off the top of her head and can like just, just uh, she, she knows lots of things like that. She used to show me up in Sunday school lessons all the time. Um, but we get to the conclusion of this kingdom of Israel. Now, lots of things happened. We had um, a splitting of the kingdom, the northern tribes, the southern tribes. But we had the southern tribes 
um, which always had a succession of kings from David. So we had this line of kings that ends with a king called Zedekiah. Now you can remember it's the last king because it's, it's got a Z at the beginning. Zedekiah. Okay, so the last king of, of um, Judah. Now he ended up being a vassal king for, king, for Babylon and, and rebelling against Babylon when told not to, etc. Um, that's a story for another day. But let's come to Ezekiel um, chapter uh, 21, where we read a prophecy of, of um, what would happen to this, this kingdom that was in the hands of this man Zedekiah at the time. Uh, what, would, what would happen to this, this kingdom? So in, in Ezekiel uh, chapter 21 and verse... Well, let's see, what should, where should we go from? Yeah, so let's just go in. So this is talking about the transgressions of Zedekiah, um, etc. And then verse 25, it says, um, Now to you, O profane, wicked prince of Israel, speaking of the last king, Zedekiah, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end. Thus says the Lord God, Remove the turban and take off the crown. So these are the kind of the priesthood, the, the crown, the king. Um, so there's this removal of, of the power. Nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and humble the exalted. Overthrow, overthrow. I will make it overthrown till, um, sorry, it shall be no longer. It shall be no longer. So there's an end of this kingdom, a removal of this kingdom. And it's emphasized by this three overthrones. So it's, it's emphasizing the fact that it, will, that it will be overthrown. Now, there's a little glimmer of hope at the end of that verse 27, though. Because it says, until he comes, whose right it is, and I will give it him. And we've laboured this point already of whose right it will be and linking a certain person with a, as a son of David and uh, possessing this throne. But just to, you know, absolutely uh, be certain, let's see who it is, who's going to come, whose right it is. The kingdom's ended, it's finished. The kingdom of God in the hands of the sons of David at that point is ended. It's been overthrown. Now, let's have a look in Luke chapter 1. So Luke chapter 1, again, a very important passage, which um, um, is the, the angel who comes and speaks to Mary and explains um, that she's going to conceive and, and, and bear a child. Uh, verse 31, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, verse 32, and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. So we see, don't we, there's a direct link between Jesus and this passage in Ezekiel, until he come whose right it is. The right it is, is here in Luke uh, chapter 1. 
And it's explained to, to uh, Mary that this, this son is going to be the son which has been long awaited for in the line of David and will sit on his throne. And over the house of Israel. Who, what's the house of, sorry, what's the house of Jacob? Yeah, I've kind of given it away a little bit there. It's the house of Israel, isn't it? So it's the kingdom of Israel. It's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, all synonymous with one another. Um, and so we have this kingdom being re-established. So there's a re-establishment of a kingdom that has happened uh, before. And is it just in the, uh, in the gospel records that we see this? Well, obviously, we, a lot happened in the gospel records. Um, Jesus was crucified and resurrected. And, and then we go to um, the, the time when Jesus was just about to go up into heaven in Acts chapter 1. And we read that this idea of the kingdom of heaven was very much on the minds of the disciples. Very much on the minds of the disciples. So he'd spoken to them for 40 days and he was speaking to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In Acts the Apostles chapter 1 and verse 3 explains that. That's what Jesus was talking to them about. Um, and they really wanted it to happen. Therefore, verse 6, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, Jesus didn't turn around and say, that's not the hope of a Christian. The hope of a Christian's going to heaven, etc., etc." What he did was he said, ah, that's the right hope to have, but it's not the right time. This is not the right time. There's some things that have got to happen first. He says, um, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. So what's got to happen from this point is the gospel has got to explode throughout the world and for people to understand it. And that was then, that's the narrative then of Acts the Apostles, is this message going out to the nations and the ministry journeys of Paul the Apostle, um, who went um, throughout the known world, ex um, creating, um, um, explaining and, and ministering um, the gospel to, to those that would hear. And so Jesus um, was sort of emphasizing that this is the right thing to look for. It's the thing he'd been speaking to them about, things pertaining to the kingdom of God, but it wasn't the right time. Something else had got to happen. Okay, so let's kind of summarize uh, where we've got to so far, and then I can set you off on your own studies of what the kingdom of heaven is in, in your own time. Because there's lots of aspects of the kingdom of heaven, what it will be like, um, what the, the, the citizenship will be like, what the city will be like, that will be the capital, etc. That's your homework, to go and find out what all these different aspects of the kingdom of heaven actually is. But from our initial studies of what the kingdom of heaven is in Matthew, we see, don't we, that it's another way of speaking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God as a reward uh, for the faithful. And we've seen, haven't we, that the kingdom of God is something that existed in the past. And we see that it's promised to exist again in the future until he come whose right it is, as we saw in Ezekiel. And as prophesied to, to Mary uh, when Jesus um, was born. And we saw, didn't we, that um, the hope of David was not going to heaven. 
But we saw, didn't we, in Psalm um, 72 and 71, that it was to be revived. And so I will leave you with um, a quote, and we'll just go through this quote from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is um, a beautiful chapter that describes um, a, a series of faithful characters throughout um, the history of, of, of Scripture and maps their acts of faith and obedience. And we come to a certain section um, here in, in verses 13 uh, to 16, talking about the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those that um, gave up so much to follow the words of God. And what was their hope? What was their desire? And this is something that we can look to the scriptures for ourselves, and, and adopt this same hope and desire for the future. So Hebrews chapter 11. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and um, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they'd come out, they would have an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so it's called the kingdom of heaven because it's linked with the promise of God. We look and elevate our minds to things heavenly when we look for this hope. You can go and read Ephesians and that will really um, emphasize that point for you. So I will leave you with the thought that if the kingdom of heaven was something that Jesus spent 40 days speaking to his disciples about, the kingdom of God is something that we should investigate ourselves. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.